Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. Okay, first off, I just want to ask you, we're expecting today some legislation kind of dealing more about where you can't have open drug use. Yeah, the government has conceded something they really weren't interested in last spring, which is there's a little too much open drug use in public spaces in B.C., When mayors and councillors started complaining about that early this year, uh, the New Democrats really just ignored it, uh, downplayed it, uh, said, give the experiment a chance. Uh, You're going to stigmatize open drug use. Uh, They've now, over the summer, went, well, you know, the mayors and councillors have a point. That tells you it wasn't just the mayors and councillors. It was the government's own reading of the news media coverage and the opinion polls that indicated they better do something. So they are going to do something. Um, they won't say that they've decided that perhaps open drug use does need a little bit of stigmatizing, but that's going to be the effect of the legislation. It will uh, list off. We don't know all the places, but it will regulate ban open drug use in some public spaces. And we'll get a full list, I think. And that will also open the way for the police to enforce the law because the police have been going, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. Um, I understand that advocates uh, for users are saying this is bad. It will, as they say, stigmatize and demonize users. But the public patience with this had run right out. And you've got a government that's looking at an election next year that's attuned to that and is going to step in and restrict it. Okay, so that's coming up today. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. But I wanted to ask you if there was any reaction in Victoria to the election in Manitoba. Yeah, there was. I mean, first of all, Premier David Eby was very quickly to come out and say, relief and celebration. Uh, He won't be alone at first minister's meetings anymore. There'll be another new Democrat at the table. So there was, uh, yeah, understandable about that. Uh, David Eby, Webb Canoe will now be two NDP premiers uh, committed on on progressive issues and not alone in Western Canada, where we're now down to an even balance, two new Democrats and two conservatives in the four Western provinces. Okay, so that must have been, well, there's somebody then that David Eby can have some kind of a relationship with. Yeah, there is. I, I'm compelled to recall, uh, well, it'll certainly be better than the last time we had two NDP premiers at the table from Western Canada, because remember the relationship between ND Premier, NDP Premier John Horgan of BC and NDP Premier Rachel Notley of Alberta. Uh, Horgan was using, quote, every tool in the toolbox to fight expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which Notley very much wanted expanded. Uh, She at one point threatened to boycott BC wines, ban them from Alberta liquor stores. Horgan tried to smooth the relationship. Uh, He and Notley had both worked for the NDP government as staffers in BC in the 1990s. So Horgan used to refer to her as my friend. (laughs) At one point, Notley's communications director told the Alberta news media that she wished Horgan would stop referring to Notley as his friend. She was not his friend. 
And I think that is the first time in Canadian history that one premier has unfriended another. (laughs) Publicly. So it'll be better than that relationship. Um, The canoe win, of course, is also significant because he'd be the first Indigenous person to lead a province. There have been Indigenous premiers in the territories. This is the first time a province has one. And it is inspirational. Uh, Canoe's story, whatever else you think of uh, his platform, is certainly inspirational. I see that as he's 41. Simi, as a young man, he um, was... um, He had some trouble. Well, he was was arrested. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, the Conservatives tried to make an issue of that during the campaign. But he turned that into a very inspirational moment. On election night, he, he as a young man, he insulted, assaulted a taxi driver and refused a breath test. He addressed Indigenous youth. He said, I had a second chance, and look at how it's worked out. You can turn things around, too. And as a premier, um, and a young one, too, uh, I think he's a very inspirational story, and, and leaders right across the political spectrum have acknowledged that. I think so too. Yeah, it's been fa- more than one person emailed me yesterday to say that I should check out his book. Uh, and yeah. I think a lot of people have already, they know all about yeah. him, but it's going to be fascinating watching this next few years in Manitoba. And one thing the New Democrats out here may wish to note is that it looks uh, from the coverage, and I'm looking at this from a distance, that one of the issues that really worked for Canoe and the NDP was to highlight long healthcare waiting lists declining access to doctors, uh, ERs that were overcrowded. Uh, That issue worked for the NDP as an opposition party there. Um, Perhaps the BC New Democrats might want to worry a little more about how that issue may play to them next year here in BC. We're back with Vaughn Palmer now from the Vancouver Sun. Vaughn, another interesting day in the legislature. Like Clearly there is an agenda here on the part of the BC Conservatives. Yes, they provided the House with a cover-your-ears moment yesterday. So Bruce Banman, the newest conservative, MLA for Abbotsford South, gets up in question period, continues the culture wars. He reads out in the House a passage from a book that he says is available in school libraries, including, what, down to grade 6, 11-year-olds in BC, and he proceeds to read the passage out. It's pretty shocking. Um, in one sense. Speaker asked him to withdraw. He does withdraw, but then he turns that around and he says, Mr. Speaker, you've ruled this language is not fit for the legislature, but there it is in a book available in the schools. I'm not going to repeat the words, Simi, but I can tell the listener, if they don't want to go and listen to the Hansard website, There was nothing in the passage that you can't find on the internet with one click and that your children can't find on the internet or TikTok or Facebook or wherever. Um, But it, yes, continues the, as I said, the premier has accused the conservatives of bringing the cultural wars to BC. Um, I think you could say that's fair. Um, The book, by the way, is Eleanor and Park. I've not heard of it, but I gather it's quite popular as a young adult book. It is, yeah. It's, um, I looked it up on it's Amazon. Rainbow, it's I, Rainbow Rowell. Yeah. Rainbow Rowell's a yeah. very popular young adult yeah. author. Yeah, and the, and the education ministry pushed back a little bit and said um, most of the schools in the province where that book is available is in uh, our high schools. Um, again, 
Sammy, um, yeah, we can be shocked at what's circulating out there, but um, you know, young adult fiction is trying very, very hard constructively to reach out to young people and just to get them reading and thinking. And from what I've seen, uh, as I said, what I can research it this morning, this sounds like this book is a very constructive contributor to young attitudes about love and support for each other and survival. And I don't think it's a destructive influence on young people. I don't think the conservatives made that case at all. They just, uh, you call it. They're just going for the headline. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you make a great point though, Vaughn, like these are the same people who are so worried about this. Do they monitor every single thing that their child looks at on the internet where there is far more destructive things available to them? Yeah. I mean, these are course ugly times. Uh, you know, you, you should see what comes in and in emails to our MLAs, the kind of threats they get. Um, and I, again, you know, I, I think we can lament the state of the modern world, but if you're looking at what's out there, you really need to begin as as teachers have to do all the time, Simi. You really need to discriminate between the stuff that is actually destructive and badly motivated and the stuff that is trying hard to uh, reach out to children, get them interested in reading books, get them interested in thinking, and, and to some degree, Simi, providing them support in a very scary alienating world. Yeah, that is very true. So it's unfortunate, though, that this is like two days in a row. This is the discussion that has come up in the BC legislature. Well, I think the Conservatives know exactly what yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. The Premier identified it quite well. He said that, you know, you are choosing to import the cultural wars into uh, BC and into BC politics. Your dividing the province and deliberately picking on small, isolated, fearful groups. And you're doing it to gain public support, attention. Okay, I'm giving them attention. I grant that. Public support, intention, raise money. It will work to some degree. We can expect that this will get votes heading into the next election. I think it's interesting that an NDP premier, David Eby, whose party stands to benefit the most from the conservatives splitting the vote on the center-right, that Eby nevertheless has chosen to deplore what they're doing and say they should be ashamed of themselves. That is not necessarily in David Eby's political interest, but I think it's an example of a premier providing needed leadership in BC. That is interesting. Okay, so obviously they'll have more to talk about on that. Uh, but you also wanted to talk about uh, the story we discussed with John Strait this morning about the official provincial fossil. And you've got thoughts on that, do you, Vaughn? Well, yes, uh, we're going to get an official provincial fossil. Uh, Tourism Minister Lana Popham introduced the legislation yesterday. It'll be uh, the Elasmosaur, which has been found uh, up in the northern Vancouver Island. But Simi, um, I've been in covering BC politics for a long time, and I have to say I'm personally disappointed. Oh, why that is that? The official BC fossil isn't a Socrates. <laughs> 
Maybe they couldn't find one. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, the last, okay, two footnotes, the last Socred uh, uh, retired from the BC legislature at the end of the 1990s. He was also the last elected Socred in the world, I think, the last social creditor to hold office anywhere in the world, um, uh, Cliff Serwa. And I notice in the annual report of Elections BC, the chief electoral officer yesterday, released yesterday, officially deregistered the Social Ooh. Credit Party in BC. It has they haven't, they haven't won seats for a long time. They've run candidates off and on, but voluntarily Social Credit agreed to disappear itself from the BC electoral map, according to the chief electoral officer's report tabled yesterday. Okay, so it, it's gone. It is done. So you're saying that there is not in the entire province a single card-carrying member of the SoCreds left. Well, there may be card-carrying members because the Social Credit Party used to issue lifetime memberships. Uh, but it is not an official party anymore. Um, in provincial elections, you would always hope, Simi, that the election bus with reporters would drive through East Vancouver because the person who was the last financial agent for the Social Credit Party used to have a giant vote social credit sign on her front lawn. And a bunch of us thought it should have been declared a heritage site. In BC, because Socrates governed this province very successfully for a long time. And they were sort of absorbed into what became the BC Liberals and what is now BC United. But still, uh, there they go. Uh, They've gone. Uh, New Zealand used to have them. They're long gone. Alberta, I don't think they're around there anymore. So it's a heritage. It's done. That that should put that in the museum. I'd go look at that exhibit for sure. (laughs) Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye.